Hello, everybody. We are back with another episode, and it feels really good. I missed podcasting so much. It's interesting because I really don't have a guest on these days that I'm not super fired up about. It is my kind of moral code doing this podcast at this point that I only have people on that really excite me. So I don't bring people on just to bring people on. And if people don't book with me, then I just let it go. (laughs) Unless I kind of know that person and then I keep bothering them. But I'm not like that in every sense of my life. I believe that I need to take consistent action to create what happens in my life, to create the stuff that I want to happen in my life. But with this podcast, I really let it flow because, well, first of all, at this point, I have four other jobs. Uh, and second of all, I, I want it to be magical. And I really missed it. But at the same time, I didn't want to force an episode. So I just didn't create one. And I kind of just take it as a sign from God. You know, if I'm supposed to have somebody on this podcast, then then I will have them on. And <laughs> Jen McKelvey, who is a mindset mentor, is on this episode with me. And I think it was just definitely one of these too coincidental to be a coincidence types of situations. She came into my life at the exact right time. And she has some very interesting knowledge. And she has a lot of self-trust, clearly. And she has really figured out a way to feel good in her life, which is something that I am still struggling with. So it was awesome to talk to her about topics like money. She looks at money like her having a relationship to a person and what does that relationship look like and she describes this concept very beautifully we talk about this whole idea of why bad things happen to good people and why this life is so painful which like i said is a topic that i have been questioning a lot these days and we talk about if it's really possible to just be a happy person Is that possible without spiritual bypassing? Spiritual bypassing being, you know, pretending that you're a happy person because you're afraid superstition-wise that something bad is going to happen to you if you are not happy one day. (laughs) So I ask her a lot of these questions. And to be honest, I kind of grill her on like, are are you really happy? Is that possible? What does it look like for you uh, when you're not happy? And she just gives the coolest answers. You know, she's just such a cool person and a very, very authentic person and a very honest, direct person and was so chill about answering these questions that are hard to answer. You know, she has so much grace. So I'm really excited. I'm just going to kick it off to start the episode up. I think you're going to love this one. Enjoy. I love you all. Wow, everybody. Welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. We have had quite a hiatus here, probably my longest hiatus since I started this podcast, but I'm really excited to be back. And I'm really excited that Jen McKelvey is with me here today to talk about some interesting mindset topics and whatever else comes up. Uh, Jen is a mindset mentor that helps her clients dive into the thoughts that they think so they can think differently, resulting in a life that excites them, that lights them up. And I met Jen through a community called To Be Magnetic, which Many of you know that I am really into, so I do a lot of hypnosis meditations, and I'll reference these hypnosis meditations, and I I talk about to be magnetic as 
my form of therapy. So this is kind of the, the umbrella um, in which my healing happens these days. I, I listen to these 2B magnetic hypnosis meditations, and really it is a manifestation course and philosophy, but I use it for trauma healing. And then the manifestation kind of comes along with that, which is a whole, we could have a whole episode on, on probably both of our experiences, Jen and I with TBM. Uh, but I wrote a post in this TBM community talking about my issues with money. And I've been very open about that on social media that I've just always had a problem spending all of the money I get and it never seems to be enough, but I always have, I always have these cool experiences, but I can't imagine, you know, having a really good sizable investment money, for example. So I knew I had all these issues. I wrote a post on, on the TBM's community site and Jen was one of the folks who answered and she really struck me as someone who has a very unique, interesting perspective on money and it was cool because a couple of the other folks that answered gave me great suggestions. They said, you know, make your spreadsheets or try this book on finances. And actually I tried those, those options as well. And they did help me, but Jen had this really cool response to everything. She, and she was so frank and, and upfront and direct about everything. She said, you know what? books and spreadsheets aren't really going to be the thing that that cures your mindset towards money and i'm paraphrasing but she basically said don't even worry about those options ask yourself these questions and try to try to understand what your relationship is to money as a concept rather than trying to control it so much with spreadsheets spreadsheets just control money and we're, we'll get into some of these more philosophical topics that surround that premise but i just thought that was so cool that she had the ability to be so direct and i i told her wow you sound like an awesome coach because i'm from the the coaching industry and uh, we hopped on a call and she said, yeah, I do actually do mentorship. And I was like, man, you, you've got to be a really great um, mentor. Just how, how straightforward you are and well-developed you are with your relationship to these lifestyle topics. So anyway, I had to have her on and I'm just really excited to hear about her past because I know really nothing about that and, and her thoughts on a deeper level on these very interesting spiritual mixed with practical money topics. So Jen McKelvey, Mindset Mentor, welcome to Root Awakening a Health Podcast. Thank you. Wow. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah. So I'd love to start off with what your background is and just how you found yourself presented with these topics and presented with, you know, the option then later on to mentor people? Yeah, it's a funny story. I'm not really sure why. This is how a lot of my life has happened, just sort of magic. Um, my background is in architecture. So I went to school, design school for architecture, and I spent years working in architecture. And then I flipped to construction and I worked construction in New York City. So that was a pretty big experience for me, being the only female on 400 person male job sites in the city. And I really, I had been on a bit of a spiritual journey before that I was doing a lot of yoga, reading a lot of the yoga texts and stuff like that. 
But this was my first sort of foray into like psychology and dealing with a lot of different people who thought really differently than me. And it was an eye-opening experience of just like, wow, there's a lot of, a lot of ways to do this. Um, because we, we sort of tend to just surround ourselves with people who are like us. And so it was my first experience where I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot. There's a lot out here. There's a lot of people, a lot of ways of thinking about things. And I had to learn, I was um, a project, the project manager. So I was everybody's boss, basically. Um, you know, so six-year-old men on site and I'm telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine how that could go over. And I had to learn very quickly how to get to stay very firm in my integrity, but get them to do what I wanted. Because we had schedules, we had budgets, huge million, million, million dollar projects, um, big time. So I learned an awful lot about myself and an awful lot about working with people um, in that situation. That, it was great. It almost killed me. My sort of endocrine system was kind of falling apart. My adrenals were destroyed. I was sleeping three or four hours a night for a couple of years on end. I was really stressed. Um, I went through a bout of, of kind of rapid aging. There's a lot of things going on. And I was like, okay, it's time to be done with this. So it's a little bit hard to walk away because the money was really good. I had a lot of power and prestige. Um, and I loved it because it, it played to my strengths, which are communication, people skills, real-time problem solving, like, oh, we got a problem. You know, it's not like a, a fake problem. It's like, oh, like that window's gonna fall off the building or, you know, big problems. So it was really fun. And I, and I learned that I loved building something. I loved helping, I loved creating. Um, which is why I went to design school in the first place, but I think most architects will tell you, you don't actually create much when you're sitting in an office on the computer all day. So I really loved it. I loved how active it was, but it, it, it took a really big toll on me. So I, and I was also doing some side design work on the side. So I stopped the big projects. I did my own little projects. I started my own business and I quit everything and I traveled. Um, and this is the second time in my life where I literally broke up with everybody. So I, the relationship ended, I left my house, um, sold my house, put stuff in storage, like the whole nine, um, and just took off. And my first trip I traveled for, I think it was two or three months. This trip was six or seven months. And I really went out like out back camping by myself in Australia and um, really was off the grid, no service for long stretches of time. And I think it was a pretty profound experience. Um, I really think everybody should travel by themselves for some periods of time, especially women. It gives you such courage. It gives you such a strong sense of yourself. It gives you a lot of time to think, especially when you don't have self-service. Um, I was reading, I was thinking, I was writing, and I was just loving life. And I was like, I had such a strong intention to come back to quote, unquote, the real world um, with this, this embodiment of loving my life, for real loving my life. And so that's what I did. 
And it took me a little while to figure out how to make that work because when you're in Bali, it's really easy to have ceremony every day. It's really easy because Bali is ceremony. All they do is so beautiful. But when I got back to New York City, um, I jumped into a relationship that I shouldn't have been in, but here we go. You know, you gotta learn the hard way sometimes. And it was, it needed to happen and I'm really, really grateful for it. Um, but I was sort of back in a city, I was sort of ready to leave. I love New York, but I was ready to leave. And I was in this relationship where it was like red flag, red flag, red flag. And I was like, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just ignore those, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was at the same time still healing from years of just sort of lack of sleep and high stress. Um, and then I was coming off of this absolutely incredible trip where I was trying to integrate a lot of these things that had kind of come up during the trip, you know, daily ritual, daily connection to divinity, daily connection to myself, ceremony, loving life, being happy. So all that to say, they were kind of all swirling around. Um, this person I was dating, we, we moved to upstate New York, about two hours north of the city and the relationship fell apart pretty quickly. Um, and then my only client pretty much stopped. Well, I had two clients. One didn't pay me a lot of money, thousands and thousands of dollars and just disappeared. And another, my other client um, sort of freaked out about something and, and just kind of, we didn't see eye to eye on, I was consulting for her. And um, she, she kind of drastically reduced my role in the project. And I was like, Okay, great. So I'm in this huge drafty house and I'm all alone and I have no money coming in and no partner and I have no friends up here. Hmm. And then COVID hit and I was like, all right. So I just dove into the subconscious work and I had done a lot. I had peeled a lot back by this point, but I, I went through some pretty big releases um, like somatic releases and really dove into, I did a lot of esoteric research. I was going down every rabbit hole. I was doing really long meditations. I was doing some plant medicine journeys. I was eating differently and, and just, I just up-leveled. I just realized that I wasn't loving myself as, as well as I could. And I just like rebirthed and it was really beautiful. And it was at this point that I started thinking, I want to, I want to help. Like, I think I've always helped in my own little way, um, but I wanted to help kind of in a bigger way. So that's when I started sort of working with friends and other people to sort of shift, shift our minds and question our reality. And, um, yeah, get to a place where we like, I call it embodied happiness, where we are just happy. We just love life. I, I have this practice where I call it best day ever practice. And it's like, it's always the best day ever. I wake up and I say it's the best day ever. And then it's the best day ever, no matter what happens, if we get to choose. So that's a long story, but that's sort of how I got to where I am. And it continues to unfold and it continues to be a journey. It never, of course, it never ends. And if anybody tells you that it ends the line. Um, but I've enjoyed some really amazing viewpoints along the way. And I just keep, keep on going. Oh, I can't wait to get into these topics. Okay, cool. When you were doing therapeutic work pre-pandemic and pre-TBM, what kind of work mm-hmm. was that? 
I did a shit ton of yoga. New York City has, in my opinion, the best yoga teachers. Wow. Um, I was doing work with Dharma Mitra. I was doing work at um, some, some Kundalini stuff. Laughing Lotus, there's really, really, really great, profound teachers in the city. And I was, I just dove head first in all of that. And I absolutely ate it up. I was, like I said, reading yogic texts and really getting into ideas um, like non-hoarding, um, non-violence, all of these things. And, and how does that really apply? You know, I would ask questions like, well, how does that really apply to our life? How do we really live these how can we really live these ways when we live in such a complicated society? So that's kind of where I started. Um, I've always been a big fan of kind of different body work practices. So acupuncture and I don't know, I love, I love deep tissue massage. I think we shall be doing deep tissue massages. Um, and somewhere in my New York time, I started doing breath work. So not, not, not yoga breath work, but breath work where you lay on the ground and you do the very specific breathing and it brings it like, it's absolutely incredible. So I had a really great teacher um, and I had some really profound experiences doing that. So I was doing a lot of things to kind of um, get back in touch with myself because I um, am a pretty, I'm a projector in human design. I'm also a double Aquarius sun and moon in Aquarius. So I am a bit, um, I don't want to earth my chart, but I'm a bit airy. I'm a, I'm pretty, pretty far out in left field. I always have been. I've always seen the world differently. And I was definitely um, shamed for that as a child. I was, you know, like, don't cry, don't have feeling, like all these kind of things. So I don't really remember my childhood. I numbed out a lot of it. So a lot of my work was physically getting back in touch with myself. I think I think when I was going through this really big release in mid-30s, I think I probably hadn't cried in like 10 years, like mm -hmm. for real cried. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of just like, and I was living in a very masculine way, right? When you're on site with all these men, you know, you just sort of have to. I remember putting on blush in the morning and I would literally think to myself, war paint. It was oh, like going wow. into battle. It was going into battle every day because I had to prove myself that I was allowed to be there. I was allowed to be there every single day. So they were great and, you know, nothing like bad. Well, we all have different um, scales of bad. I think some people could not have handled my experience, but not, you know, nothing bad happened and I loved it, but it was really difficult. Um, so I had to spend a lot of time finding, finding me physically and then finding me emotionally and then finding how I connect to the spirit and how that can can show up all the time not yeah. just when I'm having a bad time or whatever right for sure when you were up leveling during the pandemic was that a difficult experience or was that a no. really cool it wasn't difficult it was absolutely incredible I would say I don't know what other people's experiences are but mine continues to become not easier but lighter because I sort of have done it and so I the if there's a big wave of sadness it doesn't make me sad I'm like oh, I'm just feeling something I'm, something's just coming out it's okay so no it was absolutely incredible I was loving it I was having like hour plus meditations doing actual travel like it was really 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 incredible and I'm a loner at heart and so I was just like vibing 
there was there was like I would say there was two months of me being like oh fuck what's going on like I have no money and no partner and I have no friends up here ah but that once that passed I was like living on cloud nine it was great Wow. Okay. Interesting. So that takes me into this topic that you referenced earlier of, okay, today, every day is a great day. I'm Mm -hmm. genuinely happy. Mm -hmm. That is just how life is going. I am so curious if you think everybody is capable of this, or it is only one type of person. Let me explain a little bit before I open the floor to you. So (laughs) I, it's so cool because I'm connecting the dots. I have a few other friends who are like this one woman is an awesome kind of like kind of mindset coach but she's I can I can see that perhaps her her teachings are quite different than yours um she lives in the Dominican Republic her name's Rosalie Tolentino she's been on this this podcast and she just she's so spiritual she's so just connected with God And she is similar to you in the sense that she decides when she heals. She just decides that like, today's going to be a good day. I'm going to heal this. I'm over this. And she coached me a lot. I went on a retreat, like a a solo retreat with her in the Mm, Dominican. And she, it was so incredible. And she's, and she's really great at working with you and being patient with you and holding space it was this whole intense thing but one of the topics that we came down to was this idea of just deciding that you were going to change something or feel this way or Mm -hmm. or just make sure that life is smooth for you Mm -hmm. so my thoughts on this No, before I tell you my thoughts, I want to hear if you think everyone is capable of this type of outlook on life. Yes, I do. Wow. Okay. My thoughts on this is it's so intangible to me. I think that I am the most moody that I've ever Mm -hmm. been in my life. Mm -hmm. Earlier on in my life, I was very, oh, every day is a good day. No problem. This doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother Mm me. And everyone would always tell me, you're so happy. And it seems like nothing's wrong in your life. And even when traumatic stuff would happen, I would be like, it doesn't bother me. And I was holding so much shit inside of myself. Mm -hmm. And I know you're not doing that. And I know Rosalie's not doing that. So Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's what's happening. But I guess, what do you think the difference is between spiritual bypass and just truly deciding that you're going to have happy days? Because to me, I was trying to decide that. And it felt like Mm -hmm. I was deciding that. But really, I I had a lot of pent up shit that I, I also had an alcohol problem back then. So like mm-hmm. you could see how the addictions mm-hmm. kind of come in, whether mm-hmm. it be like phone addiction or romantic love addiction mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. substance abuse, when mm-hmm. you are trying to make sure that everything runs smoothly, cause you need some sort of an outlet. So what yeah. do you think that difference is between spiritual bypass and authentic, uh, an authentic decision and success in wanting to have happy days every day? I think it's a huge difference and I don't, well, how do I say this? I do expect my life to run smoothly, but when it doesn't, I'm not trying to control my life to make it run smoothly. I expect good things to happen, but I'm not working to control things to make sure they're smooth or the way that they work out the way I want to. So I think there's a lot of levels to this. I think where I am personally right now, and I'm sure it will change, um, is that 
I believe like in my bones that we get to choose. I believe in my bones that the universe is working for me and with me. I believe in my bones, I'm in the right path. I believe in my bones that what I'm experiencing, I am supposed to be experiencing. And in my experience, the sooner I deal with the thing that I'm experiencing and having any resistance to, the, the sooner it resolves itself and I can keep moving forward. You know, I am at this place in my life right now where whatever scares me, whatever I'm having resistance to, I run as fast as I can towards that thing. There's no like, oh, I'll get there eventually. It's like, no, fuck it. We're doing it now. And that's the, that's the decision. It's like the decision to um, partake in life fully every day, maybe to, to accept that it is, it is the human experience. Shit happens all the time. And it's my, it's my belief and my goal to hold, hold the bigger vision for my life. It's not best day ever is, is a mindset game that we can play with ourselves, but it's like best year ever, best life ever, best friendship ever. Like it's this, it's this higher, bigger manifestation that I'm working towards, not, not just the daily, but I like to practice everything on the daily because that's how we reinforce our neural pathways, our nervous system. And, you know, I, I think that we have to, we don't have to, but I like to do, do my kind of, what are my big practices? I like to do a, a bite size of it every single day. It's like what they used to do in medieval times so we take a little bit of poison every day and then you're sort of like immune to it, right? So it's the mm. same sort of idea of like, you just take a bite size out of the big goal every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. has your mindset always been like this in life no god no god no 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 so what Not was close. what was the change when did that happen when you had the rock bottom in during the pandemic or right before yeah right before i think that was a big part of it so i had been on this journey and i had been sort of like intellectually see I think part of what happens in the wellness spirituality world these days is like there's a lot of intellectual intellectual understanding of concepts like alignment like whatever best day ever like choosing there's yes intellectually I understood for years but I didn't feel in my body and I think that rock bottom was a big point of change for me because I remember looking at myself in the mirror and being like, I am so sick of you. I am sick of this shit. Like we are done. We're done. And that was it. And I've experienced like pretty huge growth since then. Um, but it was that like realness. I think a lot of us aren't honest with ourselves. We're not real with ourselves. And we allow ourselves to play games with ourselves. We allow the excuses. We allow the negative self-talk. It's like, I, I don't talk shit about myself ever. I walk by a mirror and I'm like, Ooh, beautiful. You know, it's, and it's all these little practices that add up to this deep trust in myself, this deep trust in the universe and this best I ever practice and the practices I do. So I don't know exactly when it happened. I think it was kind of a long and winding journey for me, but there was sort of a switch that flipped where I was just like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with living this way. 
I think all of us have probably felt that at some point in our lives, especially if we're above 20 years old, probably, or maybe 25 years old. Yeah. But so many of us say that many times and still continue to do what we're doing. So yeah. I'm totally guilty of that and has have done that, yeah. you know, plenty of times. And yeah. so I, I used to do that all the time in every sense. And I would say even now, it just seems like a very gradual, my level up process seems like a very, very gradual, frustrating process. Mm -hmm. But when I started spirituality and self-development, I was like this, you know, the, the initial wave of, whoa, yes. this is yeah. incredible. This is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't really have a narrative of, oh, this is going to be hard. I didn't even know what right. the fuck it was. Nobody right. around me, no, none of my friends were meditating. Yeah. And I just decided I'm going to start meditating. And I was like, yeah. whoa, this is so cool. Yeah. And then some hard stuff started coming up when I started feeling my feelings. And I was like, oh, this is hard. This is going to mm -hmm. be hard now. And it's kind of continued like that. Um, and I would say, I know for a fact, a lot of my audience members have this experience. So what would you say, Jen? Do you think, did you just strong arm it? Are you that type of person? Or wh why are so many of us having a hard time making a lasting shift in our lives? Okay. So you know how you said I'm like a, I'm a direct person? So I, I am a direct person. And it's because people are too afraid. It's because people are too afraid of the unknown. They're too afraid of doing things differently. They're too afraid of what it might mean if they have to lose a friend. They're too afraid of what it might mean if they have to break up with a partner. They're too afraid of what it might mean if they quit the job. And we, we give ourselves out all the time. Yeah. And the thing that we have to stop is it's not about strong arming. I am a person who in the past would strong arm everything, which is why I didn't cry for 10 years. Like crying doesn't exist. Crying is for weak people, which is not true. I think it's one of the strongest things we can do, one of the healthiest things we can do. So it's this, it's this conscious choice to call yourself out on your bullshit. It's this conscious choice to hold yourself to a higher standard. It's this conscious choice to not take no for an answer. It's this conscious choice to not, to not quit. And, you know, I, one of my big things that I ask my clients is what are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? Because that will tell you everything about your day. Yeah, that's a really profound question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that or I've never thought about that. Yeah, what are you devoted to? So a lot of people are like, well, I don't fucking know because people don't People don't think about this. Like, are you devoted to safety? Are you devoted to security? Are you devoted, are you devoted to being liked? Are you devoted to uh, being comfortable? Are you devoted to whatever, fill in the blank, to, to um, stability? These things, this was a really hard one for me. And I think it's a, probably a lifetime practice for everybody, but these things come from within. They do not come from without. So if you're devoted to them, you are not devoted to yourself. You are not devoted to God, in my opinion. And so this is where it gets really hard because people don't want to answer that question honestly. They don't want to answer a lot of the questions I ask honestly because we want to be devoted to ourselves. We want to be devoted to God or spirit or the divine, but we won't let ourselves be. Totally, totally. 
it's like, what is the overall theme of your life? Because what you're, what, like you say, what you're devoted to is what you're spending all your time on. Like, have you, if we were to break that down on a practical level, it would be, yeah. what are you spending your time on? What are you thinking about? What do you care about most? What triggers you the most? What upsets you the most? How do you drive when nobody's in the car with you and the asshole in front of you is being an asshole? How do you drive? What do you do? That's and like, I'm not one. saying, yeah, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm like, fucking drive, you know, but, but it's this, like I said, you know, when I take a bite out of my divinity every day and my devotional practice every day, it's the bite size. You, you can't, you can't fake it with yourself for very long because you're so used to calling yourself out on it and saying, so I might be like, God damn it, drive your car. And then I'm laughing because I'm like, oh, there you go. There you go. Mm. And so it's, it's that sort of. Cool. Okay. I like to get into these details so much because I, and I have a feeling a lot of other people are still often in child mode in like an egoistic child mode. So we, we take, we, like you say, we could pretend that we feel a certain way or not feel Mm -hmm. a certain way about what somebody says, but deep down our inner child or subconscious or whatever you want to call it takes everything as absolutes, assumes everything. And we'll go into what you think about comparison and all that. I would love to talk about that in a little bit. Um, we, We take everything in absolutes. A lot of us do. And I'm one of those people. So I spend a lot of time, I would say the like 95% of my time that I show up on Instagram is when I feel like shit, because I want people to see that. I want Mm -hmm. them to see the gross, ugly stuff. It doesn't get that gross. I'm not, I, I still have like some shadow, but I want them to see all the really real stuff to know. Mm-hmm. It is not just, oh, I applied for this job and now my life's perfect. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I, I decided to do this and now I'm doing this. There is mm-hmm. so much that goes into this day in mm-hmm. and day out, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you're saying, we're getting a great example of how, how Jen does it. Like you're saying, Jen, you, you address this every single day. So moment to moment, yeah, all the time. Yes. So to hear that you also have these, whatever you want to call them, slip ups come to mind or just oh like God. whatever. All the time. Everybody yeah. does. If somebody says they don't, they're lying. Here we go. Now we're getting into the really good stuff. I completely agree. And I, I think this is almost never talked about, especially on podcasts and especially on self-development podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to me. Okay, so what do you look like on a bad day? What are the topics that you are trying to work through yourself that you still feel like you're struggling with? Uh, what what are your what are your pressing topics that you're you're currently working through still? This is a funny time to ask me this question because I'm actually in this beautiful vacation mode. Um, <laughs> this ha- this happens to me every couple of years where I'm like, oh, hmm. it's after I go through a really big up level. So the way I see it is it's sort of like a pyramid and um, the level of how many levels are, whatever, we're not talking about that. And it's an individual pyramid. So there's no comparison here. It's our individual journey. And we're trying to get to the top. That's like highest self, right? The bottom is kind of our base nature, our animalistic nature. A lot of people exist in these lower portions of the pyramid. Um, and, you know, if you look at the... Uh, what is it called? Like the dietary pyramid, you know, there's like those dark lines between it's like you eat your carbs and you eat your whatever. So there's this kind of dark line, this solid line between each of these levels. So within a, 
within a layer between the two dark lines, you kind of kind of move up in that layer and then you hit this you hit this dark line and that's can be anything it can be a choice like oh we're we're going to, to that next like that's what I do uh, let's go time to go and then I know here comes like all the tests and stuff it can be a dark night of the soul it could be um, a death it could be there's a lot of different things that can kind of cause us to kind of raise up from where we are and hit this ceiling and then we hit the ceiling and that's when you get to decide, what are you gonna do? So say you decide to do nothing and then you just stay hitting that ceiling for however long you can force yourself to stay there hitting it or you decide to kind of buckle up buttercup and blast through it in whichever way you work, right? Whatever tools you're using at that point. So you get through that line so it is permeable, it just doesn't feel permeable. You get to the line and then everything, you're in a different world. These lines are like a different, it's like a different layer, different level. So you pop up and you're like, whoa, the sky's a different color. I feel different, I look different, everything's different. And your nervous system has to recalibrate to this level. Then you recalibrate and then for me, this is where I experience a little bit of like a oh, energetic vacation. Like, I'm not like nothing is triggering me. Mm-hmm. Everything is beautiful. Like everything is really great. So I'm sort of in one of those right now. Um, and I have learned to really enjoy them because it's like, you worked hard, take your vacation. Yeah. Um, but the things I'm really thinking about right now are, I'm about to make a big change in my life and move to Europe to be with my partner. Wow. So there's, there's a lot of um, preparation, mental preparation for, for being with somebody a lot of the time, for leaving my really good friends, for leaving this place I love to live. Um, there's a lot of not allowing myself to get sucked into the logistics because that's all people want to know. Well, how are you getting your dog there? It's like, they don't fuck itself out. I'm not even yep. going to talk about it. I'm not going to yep. talk about it. And I'm of course doing research or whatever, but I'm not allowing myself to get sucked into these like, oh my God, this is huge and it's gonna cost a lot of money and blah, 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 you can just go on. So that's part of the practice. It's like, you just don't, you just don't. So I've been you know, working and thinking about that. I've been really working and thinking about what's my larger mission in life? What, um, what do I wanna offer and how do I wanna offer it? Um, and then I have some health stuff coming up. So I've been sort of working on some like really some pretty interesting health things that I've been working on. So that's cool. kind of where I am, but none of it feels heavy at all. Right. Okay. Now. So when you, let's just call it slip up. Yeah. Does it look like road rage? What is it? What kind of stuff is it? My road rage is like, I'm literally laughing and being like, you're a fucking asshole, <laughs> but, I, but I think it's funny. So I'm not a person who like, I drink a little bit. I cuss, you know, I'm not like all like love and light, which is not like a real thing anyway. Um, so, but you're not going to see me like roll down my window and flick you off and scream at you. It's like, that's not going to happen. Um, let's see, what else does it look like? Like what it looks like for me right now is I can just get really annoyed 
I'm just like, oh my God, people, oh, humans, they're so annoying. Mm-hmm. So I, um, there's a big wasp in here. Wow. <laughs> um, so I just have been, you know, when I catch myself doing that, I just, I have a, I have a whole mental thing I do when I catch myself talking shit about humans. Cool. Yeah. And I imagine it's probably part of your coaching practice. Yeah. It's, it's that. just a, it's a recognition about whatever, whatever we're judging is just a, um, like an executed belief system. Like we don't actually understand what we're seeing. Like if I see somebody, I don't actually know what I'm seeing. I just know what I'm thinking about that person or situation. And so I go through this whole thought exercise about, I actually have no idea what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. And if you have no idea what you're looking at, you can, you have nothing to say about it, you know, and totally. it kind of just like snaps me out of it. Yeah. I, I've been taking note of when I do get proven wrong in that mm-hmm. instance. I don't, you, I imagine you have two where you think your, your initial thought that subconscious thought that surfaces is like, Oh my, well, let me think of an example. Okay. I wanted to take my lunch break, but this person, I wrote my name down, but this person took it. So yeah. now I can't take it. Wow. That was mm-hmm. really rude. Mm-hmm. And then come to find out I wrote my, my t- mm-hmm. break time at the wrong slot or someone took the sheet off that I, that I wrote my slot on and they put it somewhere else. So that person couldn't see that I wanted to take a break. And immediately all of the annoyance and the, the blame that I place Mm -hmm. on them is completely Mm -hmm. lifted. Isn't it, isn't it fascinating how quickly that happens? Yeah. I've been noticing that all the time. And I tell myself how often does this happen? And I don't see that other side yes. of it, yes. right? But, yes. but it really truly is not their fault or it, yeah. they, they weren't doing anything wrong. Right. Quote unquote. right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. And like, so you're doing that sort of on a micro where you're being shown like right away these things, but really how it works is it works on the macro too. So even if it takes 10 years to see, mm. you'll eventually see that it was really just your experience that you were experiencing. We can't experience, we, we, we cannot even, it's my opinion, maybe controversial, we can't even relate to each other. Like I can, um, I can try to imagine what your experience is and that's where it ends. I can try yeah. to imagine. <laughs> I do not know. I have not been there and you haven't been here and we haven't been in anybody else's shoes. And so I think a lot of what goes on these days is everybody thinking they know what's right and what's going on with everybody else. And in fact, um, we couldn't be more incorrect about that. Totally. Cool. Okay. So what would you, I'm going to stop grilling you after this question and we'll move on to some, some philosophical topics that I think is really cool. How you, how you look at these philosophical topics, but what would you say is your biggest trigger when you get these, these annoyances about people? What, what type of, what's the topic that triggers you, you the most? I have always been this way and I've gotten a hell of a lot better, but I, I don't understand what people don't understand. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like empathize with, empathize with somebody else's thought process. Um, sort of, it's like, it used to happen to me at work all the time where I would, it's just who I am by nature. I'm just a couple of steps ahead. So like, I would be like, okay, we have to do the thing, blah, blah, blah. and all the guys are like, what? No, no, we can't. Blah, blah, blah. And so then I have to slow down 
not judge where they are, and then do my side of the equation of working to get them to kind of see things differently. That's just kind of a, a work example. But it happens in my partnership, it happens with friends where I'm just like, how do you, how do you not get, get why your relationship isn't working? Like, how do you not understand? Mm. And not, it's not really judgment. I mean, it is a little bit, but it's more just like, I just can't understand that. But then I tell myself, Jen, there's people who would look at you and be like, what is wrong with you? Why don't you understand? You know, so it's all relative. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of my friends, another past coach of mine said, spirituality is like the tag in the back of your shirt yeah that's flipped up everybody else can see what's wrong with your shit and you have no fucking clue (laughs) and it just like repeats for everybody I think that the idea of what's being reflected to you is an example of what you can work on I think that's awesome 100% of the time yeah it does not it does not fail (laughs) yeah exactly it does not fail and so my my practice is I mean I'm very I've I've I'm very proud of myself for designing a life where I get to honor who I am, which is I get to be by myself a lot. So I live in nature. I spend a lot of time in nature. I just like vibe by myself and I love it. So I have designed a life where I don't get annoyed very often. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is sort of part of my um, thought process recently and something I'm working on is, soon this is going to be a very different reality for me soon i'm not going to be alone all day every day um and so there's going to be more stimulus more chances to be annoyed and and i am working i'm preemptively working now knowing that it's a pattern i have and i don't want to repeat it i want to you know keep growing that this experience is coming and so what can i do now to um, cut off, you know, some of these annoyances that I could see myself getting annoyed with. So of course we don't, we don't know the future, but we, we, we know ourselves well enough to know that I'm going to be annoyed by that situation. Mm -hmm. So I've just been doing lots of practices of like exactly that, like pausing and being like, "Hmm, what am I judging right now? And what is that? What am I, what am I really, whatever we're judging, it's really about what we think about ourselves in some capacity. So what am I judging right now? What is that? What am I making that mean about me? Um, I I have my own coach that I work with on just like little things that come up like that and like how to some thought exercises to do. Um, I've been really connecting to my inner child lately, so I can do that very very quickly. And that's a beautiful practice. Um, breathing and just and and having a sense of humor. So these are things I've all been working on. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's so important, having sense of humor about things. Do you feel like that comes with age and that natural wisdom? I think so. I think it definitely comes with age. I think I've always been a funny person and I've always used humor as a way to like diffuse situations. And I've always used humor as a way to sort of like get people on my side. Like when you're working on a construction site, it's, it's important to have people like have your back. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a good sense of humor has always been a, a skill. Like I look at it as a skill that you can hone, right? Anything is really a skill. 
and I don't mean being funny. I don't necessarily mean making jokes. I mean, being able to like laugh at yourself, being able to be present enough that you can laugh about something. Um, so yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's something I did naturally for a long time. And then I realized I could cultivate it and um, now I use it as a tool. Yeah, yeah, cool. It's definitely a reflection of a higher perspective on life, I think. A more yeah. bird's eye view. I think it's a maybe more bird's eye view. I think it's also been around the block. It's like, oh yeah, here we go. This is yeah. And I also think it's a presence. I think the more present you are, the more flex like the more present we are, the more flexible we are. And when we're when we're being less rigid and more flexible, things can be really funny that would maybe be stressful or be irritating if we were being really rigid about like i'm communicating with you why are you picking your nose whereas like now she's like oh my god you're picking your nose that's hilarious mm. you know for example, you're not picking your nose right now but thank you like, for saying that because <laughs> we'll be seeing this video um so but just like things like that of just like slowing down and being present enough that there's room for there's room for like life to happen and room for humor and room to really connect with somebody. Um, yep. Yep. Very cool. I want to segue into your thoughts on comparison because I think that goes really well with this whole judgment topic. So yeah. When we were on that call and I was telling you about my finance issues in my life, I said something like, why do some people just make a lot of money for themselves? Maybe they're really stressed out in their lives. Maybe they have anxiety, which I notice a lot of type A people are prone to. And also the type A stereotype I have people mm. that just like, they, they don't have to come from money or whatever in my mind, in my, in this subconscious judgy comparison side of my mind, uh, they, they could be really poor or they could, mm -hmm. uh, be born into having a lot of money to me, to this judgment side of me, it doesn't matter. But if they're this type A person with a lot of mm -hmm. masculine energy, no matter what mm -hmm. gender they are, they just mm -hmm. like create a lot of money for themselves. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if they're an asshole or not. doesn't matter mm -hmm. if they're super nice. Um, they just make it happen. And mm -hmm. I'm like, why are some people have this? Some people have money. They're able to create this money for themselves, but they're not doing any of the therapeutic work I'm doing. I'm making, mm -hmm. uh, and that's not true, right? But like some people are truly not, and they also have a great life. Like they're not doing TBM work. They're not mm -hmm. doing therapy, but, but they, they're really enjoying their life. Why is that a thing? And I am sitting here dedicating my entire life to self-development, and I still feel like I cannot figure out shit that has been a problem since I was eight years old. Yeah. Um, and I would, I, I'll, I would love to just hear it from your mouth, uh, Jen, what you think about this whole idea of like, why is this person having it really easy? And why is it hard for me? And that whole narrative. I think a couple of different things about it. I think the first thing I'm gonna say um, is blunt, but it's mind your own business. It's like, we, it doesn't matter what other people are doing. And like, we live in this world where everybody thinks it matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Their life doesn't um, mean anything about you. You know, 
Second thing, so that's the first thing. That's what I tell myself. I'm like, keep your own doors, your own doorstep clean. I think that's a Buddhist saying, like sweep your own doorstep, stay on your side of the road. You got enough trash over here. Don't, don't pay attention. It doesn't matter. The second thing I say, and that's easier said than done. That's also a daily practice. All of these things are like, it just, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy kind of thing. Another thing I would say is, like I said earlier, we cannot know another person's experience, period, end of story. We make up all kinds of stories that we know what somebody's life is. We don't know. We don't know their karma. We don't know, I believe in multiple lives. You don't know where they've been, where they're going. You don't know what lesson they're supposed to be learning right now. You do not know if they're in therapy. You could ask them, are you in therapy? They say no, because they don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You don't know, like, and this is the thing I see a lot of like, oh, why does this person, it's like, it doesn't matter, so many difference. Why do you care? Why do you care? You care because you want a reason for where you are. You want a reason, or we want a reason to say, oh, it's so much easier for them because of whatever. So if they, if they're this person and they got that, and I'm not that person, that means I don't get to. And there you go. And then you just convince yourself that you don't get to have it. Off the hook. That's it. And that's what our ego does constantly. That's our ego's job. Our ego's job is to keep us safe. This is how I look at it. Our ego's job is to keep us safe. And keeping us safe means keeping us in the known. So even if the known is not that great, it's better than the unknown, which I completely disagree with. I'm like, yes, unknown, unknown, let's go. Teach me. But most people don't approach it that way. It's like, oh, that's scary as fuck. Hell, you want me to do what? Mm-hmm. I'd rather be miserable. It's like, oh, I'd rather confirm my negative beliefs. Okay. Yeah. But and we- sometimes you do that even if you're consciously saying, I really want to be yes. in a different place, which is yes. so hard. That's yeah. very hard. Mm-hmm. So, bridging this into an even more emo topic here (laughs) i've been thinking about lately going through as you say a dark dark night of the soul i have my own experience that i'm not going to go into here and thinking about these really just like deeply philosophical topics that we don't know the answer to like why do why does this life have to be so painful and I don't even have the, I, okay, the, again, this is all, uh, like you say, it's all my perception, right? But yes. I know, I know people personally, and I, I know, I just know that it could be worse than where I am at right now. It mm-hmm. could, like, there could be way more violent things happening to me mm-hmm. right now that are, like, way scarier. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I don't even have the worst of it, but I'm mm-hmm. having a really tough time with certain topics in my life, not feeling Mm -hmm. like I can get past these topics or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking why it's so hard for me to have trust in the universe. And um, I guess not, I do trust the universe pretty well at this point in my life, but it's hard for me to just, maybe it's hard for me to trust that the universe kind of knows best and has this overall plan when I'm thinking, but why does it have to be this painful? And why, why is it possible for it to get even more painful than this on this earth? Have you ever thought about a question like that? 
Yeah. I don't remember exactly what I thought, but I've definitely thought about that. And where I am right now, my perspective is, again, we cannot know what another person's going through. So you look at the horrible things that happen in this world, we, we cannot, we are not experiencing it. We cannot understand it. We cannot know. Um, and it doesn't justify anything. And it's hard for our human brains to understand concepts like a soul's journey and a soul's curriculum. Like I look at life as, as like a, like each soul has signed up for a curriculum. Now it doesn't mean like you signed up for like exact things. That's not how I see it. But like, I, I firmly believe that um, every soul has to experience a version of everything in order to reach enlightenment because otherwise you have no compassion. So like I say, we can't know another's experience, but we can have compassion it's not empathy, it's not sympathy, it's not pity, it's compassion, different thing. Um, compassion for where that person is. And if we've never in any of our lives experienced something similar, we can't, there's, there's no compassion there. So I sort of look at it like that of just like, we, there is so much we don't know. And you can look at this in your regular life of just like, I'm I could probably give you like a thousand examples off the top of my head of how I would have never guessed my life would look like this. I would have never guessed some of the things that have happened to me, good or good or quote unquote bad. And so it's been proven to me over and over and over and over again that I don't fucking know. I don't know. Even my own life, let alone somebody else's life. Yes. And so as difficult as it is to witness things happening that hurt our hearts, all I personally believe that we can do is help when we're asked to give help and live in our most authentic, highest vibration state possible. Because I believe that when I'm living at my peak, at my max, the best I can be doing, I influence everybody around me positively. And then they influence, and it's this ripple effect. I, I believe that we can only change ourselves. We can only work on ourselves. We can only understand ourselves. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's my answer. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Definitely. At least part of it. I've seen the evidence of that in my life too. When I start addressing things, people just start discovering things. And I don't think it's because of me, but I think that um, it's cool to see everyone on that journey, on their own journey of that. And maybe, maybe that's, that could be even it too. Like we're not even necessarily influencing other people. We're just able to see other people starting to level up with us because we're on that track. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're all, it's a circle, right? So there's no, there's no in front of or behind. We're just on a circle and we're all where we are and we're, we all have to experience it. So some of us are experiencing it now and some of us have already experienced it and some of us will experience it. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you say we all have to experience a version of the same thing. I like how that sounds because that kind of in a way answers this idea of um, 
this is so much worse than what I'm dealing with. And I don't really have, like, I don't watch the news yeah, or I'm not, yeah. yeah. And not into politics or anything like that. Used to be on the streets of New York protesting. Mm -hmm. Totally different. NPR girl. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we were at the same, some of the same ones. <laughs> okay. So I feel very free from, like, I feel free from, oh yes. my gosh, uh, global warming. Yeah. I am like the devil and whatever. This is a controversial topic, but I think most of our listeners will probably be on our level with it. Uh, either way, I feel very free from that. But uh, I just, I just, when I'm in the, all of the really dark feelings, feeling mm. so low, like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that I could get this low. Last night was one of those nights. I think this could even be worse than what I'm feeling right now. And this is so painful. So why, why God does it have to be so painful? And then I end with like, fuck you. And then the next day I'm like, you know, feeling better. But yeah. I think it's just these, these, these moments of uh, why, why, why does it have to be like this? Or uh, when you look at a loved one who's really hurting, why mm -hmm. are they hurting so much? You know, whatever we say, they're, they're a great person, all of that. Yeah. I think this mindset of we all experience a version, versions of all different types of things to get our, our place ourselves to a place where we can be compassionate and just like have that, that wisdom. I do really resonate with that, with that yeah. outlook. Um, something that I, I kind of had an epiphany around a couple of years ago. Um, it was definitely like a download and it, it was basically like, is it pleasure or is it pain? What is it? You get to decide. Like, and this is, this is the whole mindset game. And this is what people are like, what? Yeah. It's like, is it painful? <laughs> is it? You know, and you get to decide. You can just say, well, huh. is it? Well, is my leg broken? Is, am I bleeding? Am I like, you know, you can, you can start to play these games with yourself. Is it really painful or are you deciding it's painful? And I, that's probably controversial, but it has proven true in my life and it's proven true in people I work with lives that we can decide that it's actually not painful. That, wow, this is all you got? Okay, I can do this. Look how strong I am. Look what I just processed. Like, thank you. Thank you. I'm a different person now. Mm. Yeah, it sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. And it doesn't mean you stop crying. It just shifts a little bit and then it's not so heavy and it doesn't mean like all of a sudden like okay let's go out it's like you still process you have to do the processing that's the difference between like the spiritual bypass stuff and the deciding right right you decide to process you decide that you're gonna do it you're gonna fucking love it and you're gonna be grateful because guess what is happening so just love it yeah 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 I like how you describe that Gay Hendricks, author of The Big Leap, says, fear can be turned into excitement with breath or something like that. Like, okay. if you're feeling fear, take some deep breaths and it will turn into excitement. And okay. I haven't read that book, but oh, yeah. Cool. Cool. Yep. It's, it's one of my favorites. And uh, he, I visualize him in my meditations as uh, my 
uh, safe parent. Like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. he's been replaced now, but I've, yeah. I've, I've used yeah. them. I've yeah. used him many years back anyway. Um, and I think, I think that's really cool. It doesn't always feel like that for me in the moment, mm -hmm. because I still have these very strong, um, parts of me that get really loud and whatever. Mm -hmm. So it gets complicated. Mm -hmm. I will say for me, but, uh, I do notice that often it does work, you know, taking deep breaths, but also just having that knowledge. Like you say, when you feel something in your bones, when something just rings true to you and you're like, Ooh, that, that does kind of make sense that like fear could be excitement because there were all of these times where I was feeling really nervous, but I was about to do something so fun that I knew mm -hmm. like, wasn't really scary, but it was just out of my comfort zone. And we start to understand yes. these concepts as we get older, yeah. as we've yeah. had whatever kind of path that yeah. fear isn't always bad or out of now it's becoming a bigger thing in the self-development world out of your comfort zone is a good thing. So it starts to, these things start to ring true to us. And we start to say, oh, okay. So like you say, what am I really feeling right now? Is it bad? Or is, am I about to embark on this really cool journey? And yeah. that's what I'm scared about. But is this actually just excitement, like happy butterflies or whatever kind of butterfly, you know? Yeah. I mean, I haven't read the book, so I can't speak about it more than that, but that doesn't feel, that doesn't resonate with me. That fear can be, I, okay. Fear, I do believe could be turned to excitement. Um, I a hundred percent believe that taking deep breaths, what that does is it brings you right back to the present. And when you are in the present, you disconnect from the story. You're feeling the story. Nothing's happening right now, right? Like when I'm having an emotional release later tonight or tomorrow, whatever, whatever I decide to, I'm not feeling what's happening now. I'm feeling what has happened in the past. So when we can do deep breaths, we bring ourselves back to the present. We can talk to our, we can have the subconscious freak out but we can also be the higher self, the parent, whatever, and talk to our, talk ourselves through it. So yeah, cry and scream and let it out and feel the things. And at the same time, be in the present and recognize that this is a, this is something that we are feeling from the past. We're bringing the past into the present and we're, we're working with it. And um, so yes to the breath thing, question mark to the excitement thing, maybe. Um, but yeah, like what you said, it's, it's the fear of the, it's the fear of the feeling. It's the fear of um, the unknown and it's the story attached to the feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like how you say fear of the unknown, because I was going to ask you, well, what about our, you know, natural psychic gifts where we can tell that something is about to happen? Like even, I would say even before you get hints that something is going to happen, sometimes you can tell and the fear comes up. That's what I always think, like the anticipation. And also, I just heard uh, someone say like, I don't really believe in, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it's just not wanting to accept the truth or fear of the truth or something like that. So that would be kind of the, the same concept that you're talking about, but in the future, you're like, you're not in the present, you're thinking about the future, right? Yeah, I don't know is, um, is another big one of just like, <laughs> it's, a, it's an excuse, because we do know. We might not know like, um, exactly, but we know. 
we know what we need to do. We know what we need to let go of. We know yeah. what we be working on. We know that we're not supposed to hang out with this person. We know that we shouldn't eat this thing. Whatever. We know. Yeah, that's right. And saying like, I don't know is bullshit. Yep. It's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard, but it's true. Yeah. Oh, I mean, a lot of these concepts are not like if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yep. Yep. This whole process of self-development, right? I mean, it's, I still think it's cool. Even if people are completely inconsistent with it, as in like, they'll say that they should do something and they know that, like you say, but they don't, I still think it's cool that they keep coming back to self-development. Like, even if you keep saying, oh, I want to stop doing this thing and you keep doing it. It's so cool that you keep saying, I want to stop doing this thing. You know, (laughs) like, I just think that's, that's kind of a blessing because likely, um, whatever it could like, you know, to, to keep in line with our theme here, it's different for everybody. But, um, I think that that's, I used to feel like a piece of shit for saying that so many times, Mm -hmm. but that's what got me here. If there was never that voice that said, all right, again, 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 let's try this, or I need to do this. I would not be where I am right now. And I wouldn't have gave up alcohol and all the stuff that I've already accomplished. Okay. It is very cool to me that we have made it like an hour and 15 minutes into this episode and the topic of money hasn't even come up yet. I think that's cool because I learned a lot about you, but I would like to address it (laughs) because I think that your view on money is very unique and it's one of those things. It's just like how I feel about natural health in general. The words got to get out there. There are way too many people taking pharmaceuticals that don't even want to take pharmaceuticals, right? Same with money. So, um, I, I just want to leave it open to you, Jen. What's your what's your view on money? I know that you have an al- an analogy that I guess I, I really like, and yes. I would like to talk about that. Um, okay. You know, when when I asked you about money, you had some really cool analogies and some really nice tools that you used um, to to get you on your path to to healing your relationship with money. So I'd I'd love to share that with the audience. Sure. Okay. So I like to play a game where I look at money like it's a person that I'm in a relationship with. And a lot of people, a lot of people that I do this exercise with do it completely, uh, I'm not gonna say wrong, but completely (laughs) not the way I intended, which is they they decide who who money is being. And they're like, oh, money's a fuck boy. Oh, money's this, it's like, no, 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 no. Who are you being in the relationship if money was a person? How are you treating money if money had a physical human form? So if you think money's a fuckboy, actually you're treating money like it's a fuckboy, like, right? Because money is not a human. So this, I have found really, like it was like, it exploded my brain when I figured this one out. Um, And it seems to really help people get a lot more honest and a lot more clear about what they think about money. Because again, we play a lot of games with ourselves and we, we can hide from ourselves. We're expert, we're expert at hiding from ourselves. Um, and so if we can, when we play this game and it's, it's good to play it with, uh, with me or somebody who kind of understands the bigger concept because otherwise it's like, yeah, money's a fuck boy. Yeah, fuck money. And it's like, no, no, no. That's not the point, but we go, we just go through these exercises where I just kind of keep asking questions and keep asking questions. And we get to the point where it's like, 
oh my God, I hate money. Oh my God, I don't trust money. I see money as like my savior. I see money as the only thing I need in this whole entire world. It's like, well, and so then we played the game. Okay, well, if you were money and somebody had that energy, would you want to be around that person? God, no. That person thinks I'm like they're everything and can't do anything without me. No, you know, or whatever. That person hates me. No, I don't want to go hang out over there. So what it, it does a couple of things is it, it helps us get a lot more honest and clear about get out of our own way, I guess I should say, when we're looking at money. And it also helps to break down money energetics. So I think energetics around money can seem really, really complicated. Um, but if you sort of look at it as like, like attracts like, sort of, um, which is true, but you know, if you deep down dislike money and then you put yourself in money's position, it's like, oh, I understand energetically why I wouldn't be drawn to this person's energy. Yeah, totally. Or like if I use money as my get out of jail free card all the time, like I just always think of money as like, I got to have money because I need to be able to escape this situation that I'm not even in, but maybe I'll be in it one day. So I need to have a whole bunch of money. Money's like, fuck you. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit around and wait for you to be in a situation that you've got yourself in. And now you have to rely on me to get you out of it. No. Yep. I love when you said to me, I realized I was being codependent with money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, or you asked me, maybe, are you being codependent with money or whatever it was? I think that that is such a cool concept too. And really, I like it so much just because I think it's a great example of the application of the method that you're talking about. Yeah. And taking it to such a serious level to think, oh, how do my codependent or ADD tendencies or whatever trauma response tendencies apply to money? I think that's such a cool level to take it to. Um, And we don't hear about this stuff, but it really makes sense. It's such a great outlook to use because we know exactly, or folks who are obsessed with love, like me, like a partner is my healing fantasy, right? That has Mm -hmm. developed throughout my childhood. So I know everything about uh, how I am with partners, what mm-hmm. I've just studied it so much being in the mm-hmm. self-development world. I know everything about that. I know if, if a partner comes up into my life, I almost never get past the first date because I say, okay, no, it's, it's, uh, I can tell that this isn't quite right for me. And I'm, you know, waiting for that person. I know exactly how relationship dynamics work. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured it all out yet. Cause I haven't mm-hmm. attracted the person I want into my life yet, but I I've like studied up so much on that. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have, a lot of us are really interested in dating mm-hmm. and we get to apply all of that knowledge to something. Mm-hmm. So quote unquote, practical like money. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's, yeah. that's a really cool, that's a really cool one. Um, and a lot of teachers say love and money are connected. You hear this all over the self-help world is love and money are connected, love and money are connected. And nobody explains what that actually means. Yeah. What it means is money and love are um, engage our trauma responses. We, we look at both of these things as our security. And in fact, neither of them are. But we relate to both of them from the subconscious 
the flip punch is forward often when we're relating to these two things. The child is forward when we're relating to these two things because they are so valuable in our culture. And we have, we have put both of these things on such a high pedestal and they mean so much to us. And they mean so much about what we make ourselves mean, which is really what it's all about. So yeah, that's why they're, that's why they're related. Yep. That's great. Love that connection. Wouldn't it be cool if we lived in a society that put like very little emphasis on love relationship and money? I think probably there are still indigenous cultures out there like that, that get uh, studied. Like I, I'm, I'm just on a tangent here, but I think it's an interesting concept. I'm really into Weston A. Price Foundation. Mm, so they go around. Okay. Love it. Yep. The, the folks listening mm-hmm. likely know about it too. Weston A. Price was a guy that traveled around to, uh, indigenous cultures cultures. and cultures that have kept their history and their herbalism and all of the the ancient practices and he saw that there was like no autoimmune disease and Mm -hmm. but they were eating like a ton of meat and a ton of fat and stuff that we often regard as bad in our society and uh but there his his reflection of health he found was teeth health you know americans were losing all their teeth and uh all of these folks who weren't like brushing their teeth and these indigenous um, cultures that were very traditionally based, they had like awesome teeth and awesome yeah. bone structure and were developed really yeah. cool. Anyway, so they're, they're big on uh, raw milk and heavy meat diet uh, or at least heavy fat diet. Uh, why did I bring this up right now? Oh, because Weston A. Price went and traveled around to these, mm-hmm. these cultures. And now he, I don't think, I think he's deceased, but there are other people that are connected with Weston A. Price that still go around and, and try these different foods and kind of like gently, um, study the, the culture anyway. I think that that is still present in some of these cultures, not that they don't value love at all, but love is like more, uh, going hand in hand with family and just like generally community. It's not like, yeah. well, this is my, uh, this is my person. This is my yeah. partner. Uh, here are my kids. And that's just like kind of it. And I think yeah. in, in America, it's like, we don't even really like our fan. I, well, for me, at least it's like, we don't really know or like your extended family. Don't yeah. get along. Don't see eye to eye like kind of complicated. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just think that would be so cool, you know, to, to even think about that, that a culture that, that revered, uh, auto- like emotional autonomy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Have you read Sapiens? No. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's, it's been around for a while. I'm a little late to the game, but I'm, I'm reading it and it's, it goes into all this. It goes into the development of humans basically from ground, you know, from zero. Um, and it's fascinating. It's fascinating how we de- how we have developed to worship these things and how yeah. important they are to us and how it started out as um, sometimes, you know, I think the relation, like the relational things was more of a survival thing that slowly occurred over generations. And then the money thing was just like, just like, it just kind of happened over generations. People just kept like, we're going to, we're going to start farming wheat and we're going to start farming a little bit more wheat. And then it just kind of, there were little decisions at the time that put together have made up this whole new culture. Um, so yeah, it's really fascinating. Yep. That's so cool. Okay. So what does it look like for a client to work with you? Yeah. So, um, it looks can look a lot of different ways. Sometimes it looks like this, where there's just like a lot of questions about 
these kind of spiritual things that I feel like nobody's really explaining so we can because you have to understand what you're talking about before you can talk about it you know mm-hmm. so we do a lot of that and then I the way I work is um I I try to create cognitive dissonance my practice is I try to create cognitive dissonance and I believe that when we are experiencing cognitive dissonance, we can make really quick, really big, really quick changes without having to do, I love journaling. I love subconscious work. Do not get me wrong. I eat it for breakfast. I love it. We don't have to do that for everything. And my goal and like my personal goal, which I forgot about when you asked me the question before is like, I want to get to a place where in the moment I can eradicate an old belief and replace it with a new one. And so that's what I work on with my clients. It's what I work on with myself. Um, and I do that by asking you really difficult questions and making you answer me honestly. Mm. So we kind of, you know, there's often a lot of like, but, 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 and we just keep mm-hmm. going and keep going and we keep going until you get to a place where your conscious mind and your subconscious mind, there's a gap. And, and your subconscious mind is sort of freaking out and your conscious mind is like, mind blown, oh my God. And in that space, we work to, to, um, create a new reality. Cool. That's heavy work for the, for, I mean, I imagine both, both parties, but that can be really hard. Um, like, I think it's fun. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, it's just important. Like it's, it's life-changing stuff. So like, why do we not have what we want in our lives? Why have our lives not changed yet? Because we have so many layers of, yeah. you could call it resistance or you could yeah. call it like a trauma response or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. You're, you're helping your clients to break all that down, which is so important. Um, yeah. And it can like, in my experience, it can like hurt in the moment, but it feels so good yes. at the same time because you are finally getting some confirmation that likely whatever thing deep inside of you, your soul or whatever has wanted confirmation Mm -hmm. of for a long time. Um, Cool. And you work with clients remotely. Mm -hmm. All remote. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Do video calls. Great. So I ask all of my guests on here, this question at the end of the episode, what do you think the root of health is? What do you think the common denominator of health is if you yeah. had to choose one thing? Movement. Oh, interesting. How would yeah. you explain that? Um, I, I believe that one of the keys to happiness, so this is another thing I'm trying to do is like break down happiness into a, I don't believe it can be breaking up, broken down into a formula, but I, believe it can be broken into guideposts. So I'm working on that. And that's also sort of, that's like my overarching mission is this embodied happiness. Money is one of those, it's a big piece of that pie, but it's not the goal of life by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, and I, I believe, and I found to be true that movement on all the levels, all the time, consistent, like consistent movement, um, um like elicits elicits health elicits growth um so you want to be encouraging cell turnover 
You want to be encouraging your, your internal systems to be moving. You want to encourage your lymphatic systems to be moving. You want to encourage your body to be moving. You want to be breaking down muscles and building them up. You want to be um, everything, you know, and then you can take it to the next level. You want to be like, I love questioning. I question literally everything. So you want to be questioning constantly. And it sounds exhausting, but it's not. It's a really fun game. Keep that brain moving, learn new things, question, 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 replace, replace, question. And then when you know a belief is just a thought, you keep thinking. So you start questioning your thoughts, then you start questioning your beliefs, and your beliefs move. And you get to be in this like more fluid, flexible space, which keeps you more in the present. And then you know, you you um you move your relationship with spirit. So are you rigid in your practices? Are you dogmatic? <clears throat> do you only practice one thing? It's fine if you do, but I believe that the movement of the spirit and the spiritual levels is also hugely, hugely important. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Without movement, nothing would evolve or yeah, like it wouldn't be life, you know? Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining thank us on this much. episode. This was so I fun. Loved it. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Thank you so much, Jen. And yeah. folks, contact you. Are you accepting clients right now currently? I am. Yes. yes. I okay. A few yes. Okay, Maybe. perfect. I was just going to say, how can we best contact yeah. you? Uh, my website is called Original Party, which is P A R T I dot um, com. Amazing. I have yeah. A form on there. And Great. Perfect. And yeah. I know folks, <laughs> if Jen can spark these, these, this kind of evolution within myself with a message and we had a short call, just kind of casually talking about it. And I will never forget what she told me um, in over these two mediums. Uh, she is, she has really potent uh, lessons. And if you are interested at all, you know, in self-development or achieving kind of what you want, definitely contact her and just at least see what's up because I've just experienced it myself and um, she's a very important person to talk to, I think, and thank has you. been. Jen McKelvey, yeah. Mindset Mentor. Thank you so much for joining us on Root Awakening Health Podcast. Yeah. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for the platform. I really appreciate it. If you get value out of this podcast, please share it with at least one person today. If you don't know anyone else who would get value out of this podcast, please subscribe on your listening platform of choice and follow me on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. Your support means so much to me. It helps me gain momentum to keep bringing on awesome guests to this podcast and to keep spreading the word of self-empowerment and natural health to more and more people. That is the information on my communication and boundaries course is in the show notes and you can also subscribe to my email tribe in the show notes as well. I love you. Thank you for being here. Catch you next time.